RNMD is a show about hospital relationships from the perspective of doctors and nurses. You're very smart, and we know that you would never come to a podcast for medical advice. So obviously, call your non-podcasting doctor and nurse team if you need any medical care. Oh, and we should also mention that we don't represent any hospital at all. Ever. Okay, start the thing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to RNMD, a show about doctors and nurses working together in this mad world of medicine. I'm Abby, your nurse host. Hi, I'm Laura, your doctor host. And today we're going to talk about resilience. resilience. Oh, that, was good. That, was good. that was good. Unplanned. We didn't rehearse that. We did not. We don't rehearse anything. <laughs> um, okay. So I went to this really great. She loved it. Question mark. Great. Um, conference. It was for nursing. Um, it was put on by a national organization who supposedly advocates for nurses who shall remain unnamed. We will not dox people, but we will still talk shit. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that could be a, that could be merch. That's merch. We won't dox people, but we will talk shit. But we still will talk shit. Um, You're safe here. Just not that safe. (laughs) Yeah. Not that safe. (laughs) Anyway, we're back. Okay. We're back. Okay. So I went to this conference and listen, it was beautiful. It was intended to honor nurses. We did not get to have the year of the nurse as promised 2020. Um, and so this was for that. There was a lot of education. We did a, uh, you know, a main speaker. And then in the afternoon we went into these breakout rooms and you could pick your breakout room. Um, I registered late and I got assigned a breakout room. So the first speaker that we had was talking about resilience and somehow my breakout room also was talking about resilience. Love that for you. And I hate that for me. I mean, the resilience is what's going to fix healthcare. Right. It's the only thing we need. Right. And pizza. We need pizza parties and we need to be stronger is the message. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Checks out. I really resent this and listen, I felt like I was the only person who felt this way in a group, a large group of nurses. I And maybe it was just because everyone's keeping their opinions to themselves. And we don't know how to do that. And I <laughs> can't keep my mouth shut ever about anything. But I just felt like I had a lot of problems with some of this content that we are being presented. So I want to just kind of go through with it. Of course, I took notes. Yeah, nerd. <laughs> nerd. Yeah. I took notes during this meeting where like people are just eating cake and barely paying attention. She was like angry typing the whole time. Yes. I was like furious. Rage typing. typing. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to go through some of this. Um, first of all, and this is going to be a whole different episode added to the list. We need to talk about, um, white women in nursing and the control and the power that they hold. Um, and I feel this at these conferences, this conference was for, uh, New York city nurses. It was held in Brooklyn, New York. There is a lot of diversity in this room, right? Um, and the speakers, um, the hired speakers were mainly white women, um, which is, you know, not representative of the group that we were in. 
Um, so that's a whole separate topic, but I did want to mention it, that the, the main keynote speaker was a white woman, did not represent that group at all. Um, okay, the second problem that I have... Sh- I'm excited. <laughs> this is going to be a good rant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tear this thing apart. Okay. Uh, there were several mes- mentions of Florence Nightingale, and I think this is a trope that we lean on really hard of like this lady with the lamp. It's really beautiful. The image of the Crimean War. She's saving all these soldiers by simple measures like hand washing and hygiene, etc. I don't want to take any of that away. But just like we need to acknowledge history in general, right, and not whitewash history, I mean, Florence Nightingale was kind of problematic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe not perfect. Nah, nah. Not great. Um, Could be better. You know, I mean, her team specifically did not allow um, black nurses who definitely were working um, to the same level and capacity at that time. I mean, Mary C. Cole is a really good example, um, was told she was not allowed on Florence Nightingale's team, whether she had a, you know, direct link to allow that to happen. I don't know, right? The structure that existed at that time, but um, there were no nurses other than white women in that capacity. So maybe we don't take uh, Florence Nightingale as the end all be all for right. like what we should model all of our behavior after. That's what I'm saying. Is that what we're saying? That's what we're saying. Cool, I love that. We're saying the lamp school, hand washing yeah. school. Yeah. But maybe there were other nurses during that time that haven't been wrote about as much. Like advocating for the nursing profession, absolutely. But like maybe don't be shitty in doing so. Yeah. Okay. Good takeaway. Okay. Thanks. All right. Resilience. <laughs> okay. Um. It was said, uh, wow, I hope the speaker never hears this episode, or maybe she should. Okay. Yeah, she'll learn. We'll <laughs> learn together. Okay. Um, the speaker said, and I, I, this is a quote, she said, resilience causes anger in nurses because it implies that we need to take on more. This was to advocate for reframing resilience. She was trying to say that we need to reframe what resilience means. Um I, I just jotted something down. I said it, it, you know, it causes anger because it puts ownership on the nurse to own the solution instead of nursing leadership or the structure of healthcare. Or let's be honest, when we're talking about a paid speaker, what could she really do if she acknowledged this actual problem, right? And couldn't just put it on you, the listener, then she would have to acknowledge that it's a system problem. And now it's harder to solve. Yeah, I feel like the the idea of we have to reframe resilience as just something we have to be responsible for our own resilience. It's saying that our problems are also of our own doing. Like it's shifting the burden onto us so we don't get so mad that we do something about the actual source of the issue. Yeah, it kind of makes you feel a little bit like, why are you yeah. so tired? Why are you so... Because you could just go have a face mask and a bubble bath and feel better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why aren't you already doing these resilience activities? Like why right. aren't you doing a bad job at your job because you're burnt out and you're burnt out because you're not doing enough resilience in your personal time. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is like double gaslighting. I yeah. Feel like. It's it's gaslighting you into imposter syndrome, which is honestly impressive. Like that's pretty good. It's actually, yeah. Like it's a, it's a high skill manipulation tool. Yeah. As far as like someone who wants to understand how to control people, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> We're going to edit this part out. <laughs> no, no, we're not. No, we're not. Um, <laughs> okay. It's impressive. Though. It's, it's, a, it's an impressive tactic. It really is. Um, okay. The word burnout in this 
conference was used many, 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 many times. And it's just this thing that they kept bringing out. We all know nurses are burnt out. We all know nurses are burnt out. Laura and I have decided we're going to be very intentional about not using the word burnout because again, it just focuses on you to find a solution. I think Laura is the one who introduced me to the concept of moral injury, which I think is a much more appropriate term. Yeah. And I think there, I I think there is a place for the word burnout. Like Mm -hmm. I think there is a situation in which you can have pure burnout. But I don't think that's the conversation that we're having. It's like after two years of a pandemic and unsafe staffing and patients not being able to access care, it's not burnout that I'm feeling. It is not the essential tasks of my job that I feel. It is the moral injury of not being able to do my job at the level I want to do it because of these systemic factors. Yeah. yeah. That's a problem. They're different conversations. They are. You're right. Actually, I'm really glad that you pointed that out because there is a such thing as burnout, right? Yeah. But that's just not what we are experiencing. Right. Like our jobs are fucking hard. Like even in a perfect environment, we're going to have some burnout. Yeah. We like who else in the world spends their lives watching people die and suffer? Like you're going to have some burnout. And I think to a certain extent, there is some like resilience that is essential Mm -hmm. to be able to do this job because the job we have is really hard and really challenging on our like mental health and well-being. And I think there is a a certain extent to which you need to be like aware of that and taking a little bit of ownership of taking the time to process the trauma that you're inherently. Like a debrief or something after a code. And I think there is... Uh, you know, I'm not completely reject- rejecting resilience as an entity, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that this like f- always piling all the pressure onto resilience and only addressing this as burnout and not the systemic factors that are driving this moral injury as a mm-hmm. separate thing is completely disingenuous. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what you're describing, it just makes me think of when I was working in the ICU and I have, I'm tripled or quadrupled a lot of the times during COVID, um, you know, I spent the whole time not eating, not peeing, not taking a break, sweating, literally, literally running through the halls to provide care. And I still went home feeling like I did a bad job. I still felt like my patients weren't getting the most optimal care and that maybe in some cases I even felt like maybe I was doing harm to my patients. That is really difficult to deal with. Yeah. There's a, there's a difference between watching your patient die and feeling that your patient is dying because you don't have the resources to help them. Yeah. Those are different things. Yes. They're very different. Like maybe if I had had time to reassess, but I was in on a code on my fourth patient and I, I didn't have time to reassess that patient. And then they went downhill after that. That's a really difficult thing to, to bear. Yeah. And I think that's what we want to address is like, I'm not going to say that there's no place for resilience, yeah. but I think that, and you'll get into this more talking about the conference, but I think a lot of the conversation is how can we build better systems? Mm-hmm. So we're not injuring ourselves this way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think too, some of this stuff, um, you know, there was in, in the, the speech that I listened to, there was a lot of things about the ways that we can build resilience, right? And resilience to me as a goal is not measurable. Um, it's very difficult to say, well, am I resilient now? Right. Um, so to me, that's a really, I, I don't exactly understand why that's constantly used. Um, and some of the things on the list of to be resilient were pretty, (laughs) Honestly, they were offensive. I mean, it was like, tell us. <laughs> it was offensive. I'm getting mad thinking about I it. I want to know. <laughs> it was like yoga, meditation, deep breathing, hypnosis. <laughs> Can you hypnotize me? Hypnosis. Hypnosis. 
hypnosis. So after this, Abby's going to hypnotize me into thinking that the system is fine. Uh, That will never happen. Stay tuned. (laughs) I mean, are we children or are we medical professionals? Like, it's so offensive to me to say, like, just uh, while you're on the unit and someone's coding, just take a couple deep breaths and you'll feel better. Three breaths in, four breaths out. And you're fine. That person's no longer dying. Yeah. You don't need more staffing on your unit. You need to breathe. And and then do a better job. Yeah. And do a better job and, like, be okay with them expecting more out of you. No, I need safe staffing. I need my coworkers to be paid appropriately and, and compensated with a bonus so that they want to pick up overtime once in a while. Like I need to be able to take a fucking day off to go to therapy when all my patients died in the ship. Like, yeah. Like maybe so many people wouldn't be retiring early or going to travel nursing if, if they were actually taken care of on their own unit. These are the things I need. I don't need meditation. I mean, I do need meditation, but that's a separate issue. Yeah. 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 I don't need you to tell me that I need to, meditate. I need you to give me time and space to actually heal from the trauma you've imposed on me. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, also I think a lot of these nursing leaders, nursing speakers in general, especially when you're looking at the ANA or whenever you look at these conferences, um, a lot of them are so out of touch with the bedside. There was not one bedside nurse that was asked to speak in any of these breakout rooms as keynote speakers who presented, none of them were bedside for many, many, many years. This is a problem. You know, we need to see people who are actually seeing patients. Those are the leaders I want to look to. I want to see, I want to hear a charge nurse speak. That's who I want up there. I want an ED, a badass ICU (laughs) nurse, a badass med surge nurse. I want somebody up there who knows what's going on. Yeah. I I want someone to be like, yes, these are the six patients that I had yesterday. And, uh, here's the issue with every single one of them. And here's how I fucking deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. If you have a solution for me, I might listen to you. Like someone who hasn't touched a patient in 25 years, I don't really want to know what you did in 1994. Like, and I don't care what you think I should do to make myself feel better about the, the moral injury I'm experiencing on a unit that you don't even relate to anymore. You work in an office, you travel, you're very corporate now. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But like, you're not the person I want to hear from somebody who really knows. Yeah. Who's still having the same mental burden. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and listen too, when we're talking about self care, I, I do think self care is important and I think self care is really misused a lot of times. I think a lot of people, maybe self care does look like a bubble bath to you. For me, sometimes self care just means like going for a walk by myself with my dog and like listening to a podcast or some music and like tuning my brain out for a minute, you know? I mean, that can look different. But I think too, we need to be mindful that sometimes self-care, and especially when we're looking at these lists of recommended self-care, those can come from a position of privilege sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, massage was on this list. Yeah, cool. Who can afford a massage? A nurse who works night shift with three kids? Maybe not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you have time? Right. Do you have like... If you're working six days a week, do yeah. you have time to go to a therapist yeah. and do you take, have a, the take a bubble bath right. and get a massage and get a facial? Like, no, like self-care is not accessible to people who are trying to survive. Exactly. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, self-care is not on your priority list. You're or, trying to pay rent. And I guess we should clarify that self-care in the way that these conferences right. talk about is like, oh, treat like self-care can like, I think you're right, can look like a lot of different things and it's a little bit different for everyone. And it also, it kind of is insulting that these 
wellness coaches are like, oh yeah, take some time for a bubble. Like, no, like that's not, you don't fucking know my wellness. Like, right. You don't know what soothes me. Actually, maybe a call to my friend is what soothes me. I don't need to go shell at 50 bucks for a massage. I really didn't like that. You know, we're just going to drink a glass of wine and rant to each other about Policy. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Insurance or yeah. something. Yeah. Like, that's fun Blue for us. Blue Shield. Oh yeah. my God. Don't, actually, don't get me started. No, that's put it on the I'm list. I'm going to read you a paper about the history of insurance companies. I don't, don't. cannot wait. Okay. She, she's not excited. <laughs> she hates my papers. Uh, <laughs> no, I like them. I like them. <laughs> I just have ADHD. I, ha- I have trouble focusing. I'm going to read you a paper. Okay, fine. Um, okay. Uh, this, this speaker, she described being, um, deeply depressed actually at one point. Um, and Big same, yes. Yeah. Hard same. Um, <laughs> and she solved it by, um, expressing gratitude. And, um, she, she talked about this gratitude practice that she, that she does. Um, I gaslight. Yeah. Gaslighting. I, I just have so many issues with this because what it implies is that nurses aren't resilient. It, it implies that nurses don't ex- experience moments of gratitude. R- nurses are the most resilient fucking people that I know. Yeah. Okay. You know, if you're anybody in the medical profession, like we, we, you're fucked up, you're fucked like up. you went into this because you want to be abused yeah. to a certain extent. Like, you want to help people yeah. and you want to almost emulate a little yeah, bit, a like, little bit, like, but yeah. not as much as they're asking us to. That's the right. thing It's like, we didn't actually ask to be martyrs. Right. Like we we're here because we're willing to make sacrifices and yeah. we're willing to work our asses off. Like that, that is the healthcare persona. Right. But that's different from saying that I'm going to completely put myself aside yeah. as a human being. Like, you can't do that. You can't provide care if you're not taking care of yourself. Right. Like, you can't. Right. Yeah. I literally break my body and then being told that I need to express gratitude that I have a job at all. Yeah. Come on. And I mean, that's the thing that drives me nuts. It's like, I, so I will tell anyone who will listen to me that I truly think my job is the coolest fucking career in the world. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I swear way too much. We swear a lot. Sorry, it's, our NMD listeners. It says explicit on there. That's okay, your own fault. Sorry. Um, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, seriously, like I will tell everybody that being an emergency doctor is the coolest job in the world. Like we get to do stuff that is just like, and we get to help people in like these really tangible ways. And like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful for my job and like the privilege to mm-hmm. to help people the way that I do that doesn't mean I can't also say the system shouldn't be this way right. like the system I'm thrilled about my job right. but I also don't want my patients to go bankrupt because mm-hmm. they had to come see me or I yeah. don't want my patients dying because they couldn't see a primary doctor and I diagnose it with metastatic cancer like right. those are not mutually incompatible principles like I can think my job is the best thing in the world and still want it to be better for people you know I mean personally I think that makes you a better doctor personally I think that you're actually looking at the bigger picture of like I want to care for this person but I also don't want them saddled with a $50,000 bill when they go home yeah I mean this is like super cheesy but I always tell my patients that I hope I don't have to see them again right. like I would love if no one needed me right. that'd be fantastic right. or like the only people that needed me were true Emergencies, emergencies and not just people who are like I can't access care like right. you know I'm happy to take care of those people but like that's not how they should be cared for no they deserve better than me right. I'm not a I'm not a primary care doctor right. like exactly yeah yeah and that's uh, I mean add it to our list add to the list yeah I mean we're gonna have to talk about that too caring for people in the ED versus primary care yeah I actually don't think that one's already on the list I'm okay add literally okay. add it please okay right. um and then the last thing that she spoke about was financial wellness and And um, to me, that just took on like, basically, we won't pay you more, um, but we're going to tell you that it's, you know, your budgeting skills are the problem. (laughs) Um, And that, again, is just really insulting. And it really, it hurts me because, you know, I'm a 
kind of an outspoken. Can you believe it? I'm an outspoken person. No, no. I'm loud. I'm annoying. Um, and you know, I'm sitting there like offended, you know, and just like sweating because I can't speak, you know, and I'm just like sitting there like absorbing all this bullshit. Rage texting me a little rage bit. Rage texting Laura while she's in her class rage texting me about policy. It's a theme. We'll we'll get into that. A <laughs> it's different, an episode. Yeah, we'll get into that class a oh different day. Yeah. Um, Names will be changed. Yeah. Laura <laughs> needs to fight one of her instructors. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and but like I'm sitting there and I'm looking at nurses who have been through a pandemic that is never ending and and who have really sacrificed a lot and we're being told that like they might have to enter these rooms in a bandana from the CDC and this is when we're talking about we didn't know is it airborne is it droplet is it you know contact like we didn't really know and these people showed up to work anyway and now you're lecturing them about financial wellness and yoga and like can you give me a fucking break? And they're just sitting there nicely listening and clapping. And yeah. I'm like, I'm so angry for them. Our jobs were being threatened if we weren't going to literally sacrifice ourselves, uh, willing to risk everything with no PPE. And now they're like, mm, you're not grateful enough. Like, no, I'm not fucking grateful no. for that. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm not grateful. Yeah, you told me I was a selfish bastard yeah. for like wanting an N95. Right. And now I'm supposed to be grateful for this opportunity. Like, no, like no. you can't treat us that way and then right. tell us that we're not grateful enough. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we're talking about this in terms, because I was just at this conference. So we're talking about this in terms of this nursing conference. Mm-hmm. This is such a fucking systems issue. Like, yes, I think I've told Abby this story before. So when I was a resident, we did um, like journal clubs, obviously. And um, one of the articles my intern year was about um, like basically what character traits or personality traits or something made you a more resilient resident. And it was the most fucking gaslighting thing. I was like, I was a baby. Like I was like a baby intern. And I was like, um, don't we think we should talk about this? And my program was like, Laura, you're annoying. Shut up. (laughs) Which is fair. It's valid. (laughs) But hold on. I'm going to pull up this article real fast because it's just so... The paper is, and no shade to this paper as an entity. No shade to the authors. I'm sure you guys are great. But also, let's talk. But also, let's talk about it. (laughs) I just want to talk. We don't want to dox you, but we want... I just want to talk. We need to talk to you about this. Um, So, okay. So the paper is the relationship between grit, burnout, and well-being in emergency medicine residents. Um, okay. Burnout has become endemic in medicine across all specialties and levels of training grit defined as perseverance and passion for long-term goals attempts to quantify the ability to maintain sustained effort through an extended length of time, blah, 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 burnout, well-being related to grit. And this is like a survey across multiple emergency departments, surveyed a bunch of residents basically to be like, who have, who have low well-being scores? Oh God. All of them. They're all fucking residents. They all have low well-being. No one is happy. If you're happy as a resident, you're lying. Yeah. Residency sucks. We'll do an episode on it. Right. Add it to the list. We we actually sorry to interrupt you, but in in the um the one of the resiliency trainings that I just did in the breakout room was actually they did a survey um and maybe I'll try to I'll try to post it with this episode. Um they surveyed the different departments of nurses and Ooh. they showed like who had worse wellness scores and who had like more alcohol use and things like that. It was all critical care. It was the ED and the ICU mainly the nurses yeah. were like reporting like significant levels of like alcohol abuse and yeah. uh lack of sleep and lack of eating, et cetera. Yeah, which I'm sure correlates to moral injury and people fucking dying on right. it. 
I mean, that's interesting though. Cause I think we also need to have that conversation in light of like staffing as well. Right. But I mean, I don't know. That's a, that's a lot. We're going to get really down the rabbit hole and we need to do our research for that. We will do it though. Um, okay. Keep going. Sorry. sorry I'm skimming. Okay. Um, burnout and fatigue have been associated with undesirable patient care outcomes. People who hate their jobs aren't very good at them. Okay. Surprise. Residents with high burnout scores are more likely to report making errors and providing subsatisfactory level of patient care. Of course. Surprise. Yeah. Grit, a novel personality trait, is defined as perseverance and passion for long-term goals. Uh, wait, <laughs> wait, what? Wait, what? Passion for your long-term goals. Grit? Yeah, all you need is grit. That's what you need to prevent burnout. What was that Western movie, True Grit? Yeah. You need to be... You need to be a, a, a gritty Westerner, apparently. Get your spurs out. Who wrote this? Come on. What is this word? Grit. So you, so uh, let me get this straight. So if you just have more passion for your long-term goals of your hospital, you will not report this fatigue and then therefore you will provide better care and make less errors. Yeah. You'll feel better about your job uh-huh. as long as, as long as you have passion. Okay. You won't feel the injury that's being inflicted done to on you. you. Yeah. Okay. That um, seems like an abusive relationship, but okay. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Grit and resilience have been offered as a possible explanation for success and health professional students who succeed in the face of pressure. Like this is what gets like everyone, everyone in healthcare is in the face of pressure. Constant. And like all of us self-select for this career. Like people right. who don't like that tend to like, you know, sort of opt out. Go on that's to like, research. Yeah, or, that's fine. Yeah, like administration. I, like, okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. All right. We're, okay. ha- we're having a moment. Yep. Laura's uh, upset. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. We'll, sorry. We'll bring skip, it back. Skip me. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. But I mean, this entire thing, you know, I was like a baby intern. This is like before I had the reputation of being a total pain. In the, well, I probably already had the reputation <laughs> of being a total pain in the ass, but it was early in the pain in the ass days. Um, but yeah, like, why are we having this conversation? Like residency I'm so for any of the older doctors out there, I'm not going to say my residency is as hard as your, yours was. I get it. I have our protection. I, we have a much better culture. People are a lot nicer than they were in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Not as many people are on cocaine constantly. That's not how <laughs> we're setting God. duty hours. I mean, maybe they are, but that's yeah. not how we're setting our duty hours anymore. Like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Like, don't start with me on that. But at the same time, like medical education is really fucking toxic. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to be like, a, this is going to be a whole series. Honestly, like we mm-hmm. have a lot to say about this. I also feel like, I mean, you correct me because I could be wrong about this, but I, I feel like the medicine that's being practiced is at a really high level now too, yeah. right? Comparatively to like somebody who maybe learned residency in the seventies. Yeah. I mean, we had three drugs, right? And we're doing like these special subspecialties yeah. now. I mean, it's like yeah. really in depth, really advanced care with a lot of technology. Like, yeah, the, in some ways I think the residency has gotten easier in some ways it's gotten a lot harder. Yeah. We have a lot more medicine to learn. We have a lot more patient satisfaction scores. Right. We have a lot more metrics than I think they had right. back in the day. Right. You know, there's just a lot more to learn now and a lot more to do and a lot more things were evaluated and penalized for. Right. And I mean, like the fucking charting as a like as a billing tool wasn't a thing right. in the same way, like before diagnostic related groups and all the shit. Like it wasn't a thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. We have a lot more shit to learn. So I, uh, anyway, I got off track. Um, like I'm like residency is toxic no matter what. Yes. Like it's, I think it's a thing. Like I've talked to pretty much every resident resident at my residency and I was like, yeah, like I was, I was depressed and junior and everyone's like, oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah. Me same. too. Me yeah, too. Super like same. I don't, <laughs> I like don't think 
people escape residency without a major blow to their mental health. And like to a certain extent, this is going to make me sound like an apologist for like the culture and I'm, I'm not, but like to a certain extent, I do think feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome and feeling scared is a really important part of medical education. Like you should at certain points feel like you're failing because if you don't feel that way, you're going to be a dangerous doctor. Like you Mm -hmm. need to be scared Mm -hmm. in order to be safe. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, do I need to feel like I'm failing across every aspect of right. my life? Do I need to feel like I am, right. you know, I have a quarter million dollars in debt. I have no way out. Right. I have no protection. I'm, you know, I'm matched to this residency that I really don't have a lot of control over. Mm-hmm. I don't have any authority against my boss. I don't have any freedom to leave this no support. Job. Yeah. Yeah. Like I moved across, I moved 1500 miles away. I had one friend in my city. Right. When I moved. Like, is it necessary to make this such a toxic structure in order for us to be get, successful? Yeah. Get good training. Like right. I don't think so. No, I don't I mean, think so. I don't think so either. I I agree with you. You do have to have a a certain amount of fear that goes with nursing too. Even as you know, I practiced bedside for 13 years. I always had a slight amount of fear. Uh, You know, you always want to double check that medication. You always want somebody distracts you and you're in the middle of doing an assessment. You need to make sure, are you looking at the right air, you know, is it the right leg or the left leg, you know, like things like that, you know, because you could miss something. What if I did miss a pedal pulse, you know, on a, on a fresh post-op patient or something like that? Like it, it it's important for you to feel that fear, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. That's where the actual resilience comes right. in. Like you have to be able to take that level of stress because that's part of the job. Right. You need to feel that stress to be good at this job. Cause a human being yeah. is relying on yeah. you. You need to yeah. care. If you don't care, if you're not scared about right. fucking that's up, I dangerous. don't really trust you. Yeah. yeah. It's dangerous. But at the same time, like, do we need to be putting a culture, like, let's talk, let's look, at workplace violence. Like, okay, do I need to have you in a situation where you have eight patients and mm-hmm. you have no text or no, right. you know, whatever. And you go into this room and you're like, Oh, I am literally so un- understaffed that I could get physically assaulted yeah. and injured in this that's room. Happened. Is, is that necessary? Like, no. Is that like, is that something that's like an right. essential part of your job in order for you to be able to do a good job? You have to be a little bit afraid of your patients fucking attacking you. Right. Like, no. Right. Yeah. And I need to do resilience training on my end and my free time to prevent me from feeling that way like absolutely not yeah I of course um I was in a room pinned in the corner with this guy and the reason actually why that happened was because he was a one-to-one and I felt so bad for the tech who was getting abused by him I let her go I was like let me be in here for a while um Mm -hmm. and I'll I'll deal with him because this isn't fair to her either. Yeah. Like why should she, she's making 15 bucks an hour, first of all, and she's yeah. getting verbally and physically assaulted by this guy who's three times her size. Yeah. And so I allowed, you know, her to go and I'm in there and now I'm realizing my position in the room is like in the corner and he's blocking the exit, you yeah. know? And it's yeah. like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. can't we get somebody who's actually big enough to deal with this guy? Like, no, 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 no. You just need to take a bubble bath. Yeah. And then you're good. I'll feel better. Then you're good. I'll feel better. You're good. You won't be worried about being put in an unsafe situation <laughs> if you do more self-care. It's so patronizing. Yeah. Like, it's just treating you like you're a child. Yeah. 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 And like, not oh, a professional. Why are you feeling that way? Yeah. Why would you ever feel what that way? What would make you feel Didn't that way? Didn't you meditate today? Didn't you do your homework? Yeah. I'm like... 
why don't you come and sit in here? I want to yeah. go get like the, the CNO of this yeah. place and make her sit down. Especially if you have a patient who is on like a suicide precaution, for example, you have to stay an arm's length away from that patient to keep them safe, right? So what what happens if you're an arm's length away from an abusive patient? They're going to hit you, you know? Um, why do we have to be hit? Why is there not a protocol in place to prevent that from happening because that happens kind of regularly or even like, and this is God added to the list. Um, there's ongoing legislation about in some States, it's a special, like it's a higher level offense. If you assault a healthcare worker as, because we're a vulnerable population, honestly, right. because we cannot retaliate right? and we're in, you know, we we're required to provide care to people. We are a vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. So in some States it's a, you know, a misdemeanor becomes a felony. Like it escalates a level uh, if you assault a healthcare worker in some states, it's like, okay, cool. Like you can right. sort of do what you want. Right. So like there is some ongoing legislation and like some, some federal work being done to sort of like codify this to, to sort of regulate the protections afforded to healthcare workers. Yeah. Why the fuck is it not already there? Right. Like, why are we right. like, if you're saying that Decades. I like by Mtala, I am legally bound to treat anybody who comes in my ER, no matter what, like, cool. Like, can't you have a little bit of protection right. but if they fucking try to kill me like right. they get in at least Something. a little bit of trouble yeah yeah i mean there was a nurse in staten island a few years ago she was raped in the ed yeah and it's just like yeah this is where we are like can you believe this you yeah. know um yeah i mean i don't understand and and then when we're talking about like the poor ems workers oh, and so, i mean it's probably even worse for them yeah. you know? and that's the other interesting thing is some of the state legislation will it'll sort of stratify who is protected it'll be like oh like doctors are protected but not nurses right. or doctors and nurses in the hospital but not pre-hospital right so we're sending our pre-hospital teams out there completely unprotected right into people's homes yeah, literally with, single provider in the yeah. back of the truck usually right. with absolutely like we just like treat them like they're not they're nothing part of the team right. like they're not essential personnel yeah we're like, gonna have we're gonna have to have anthony our yeah. friend our ems friend he's gonna have to come on one of these episodes we're just gonna have to shut up and listen to him talk because i love him so much i love him anthony so we love you much yeah we love you um yeah we definitely have to we have to have him on and talk about like the mental health he's talked a lot about the mental health um challenges that he's experienced as an ems worker and he loves his job and then we're talking about like a new EMS worker in New York City, which is extremely expensive to live, they make like 50 grand a year starting out. Yeah. Like that's not sustainable. Yeah. You can't even rent for this that. Is, this is like a whole series, honestly, but the disrespect that EMS workers are afforded by the healthcare industry as a whole is just like fucking yeah. horrifying. It's terrible. Yeah. We definitely have to do that, but that's a different episode. Anyway, yeah, add it to the list. Add it to the list. Anyway, we hope you guys are okay. Do we have any announcements? I'm trying to think we have uh committees for impact still. You can join as a member. We have a lot of our leaders already set up, um, but you can always email us, uh, impact in healthcare.org, or okay. you can, if you have a topic or a guest to suggest for the podcast, you can email us at rnmdpodcast at gmail.com. If you have personal attack about me as a co-host, you can send that directly <laughs> to Abby's DM. So yeah. she prefers it there. Yeah. Put it in my DM. I won't read it. And, um, <laughs> please give us five stars on Apple podcasts. If you can like, and subscribe. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Yeah. Please like, and subscribe. I know that's so lame, but like, actually it helps so much. Like tell your friends. Yeah. It's like a free way. Cause we don't want to ask you guys for money. Uh, yet, yet Patreon, Patreon, but we'll get you. Or we'll, we're, we're going to put Peggy on OnlyFans. Oh, the other. Oh yeah. Peggy's on OnlyFans. We should do that. Oh, 
That's a good update. I haven't talked about Peggy. We should do a Peggy update. Oh, yeah, we Add should. The list. I have like an actual Peggy episode, but I I feel like Laura's dad is a lawyer, and I feel like he wouldn't like the beginning of the episode because yeah, we gotta we gotta run it by our legal team, which yeah. is uh, my parents, which is Laura's dad. Yeah, so because. Uh, yeah, there's like ongoing legal situation with that. So I don't want to, I don't want to talk about too much, but I would like to talk about Peggy at some point. Abby almost walks without a limp now. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Almost. She like hot footed it across the national mall a couple weeks ago. I sure did. Yeah. She made it further than her dog did. I really did. Yeah. That (laughs) I actually can, I can walk, I have the limp. I still can't feel the bottom of my foot, but I can walk. Um, I have to have surgery again. The hardware is infected, I guess, in the bone. There's like an anchor that they put in to anchor the Achilles into your calcaneus that one of the anchors is infected. It's plastic. So it has to come out. I'm probably going to have to get like a midline or a pick line and do IV antibiotics. Uh, But then after that, it should pretty much be okay. I just have a lot of physical therapy. It's like it doesn't bend the right way, but it... It's okay though. I gave her all of my monofilaments from med school so she can do uh, the diabetic yeah. like peripheral neuropathy testing yeah. on herself. Yeah, we'll see. It's very lame. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, the feeling is the weirdest. It's yeah. pretty weird to not be able to feel the bottom of your foot. Her pinky toe can move sometimes oh, now. Yeah. Big deal. She's showing me right now. Okay, it's not moving. It's not moving right now, but it does it move. It did yesterday. Yeah, it was it fine. does move sometimes. Yeah. Um, also, special shout out as always to our tech team. Yay, Yay. tech team. Who's our tech team? Susie. Oh, <laughs> and Abby. <laughs> uh, I love Susie so much. Yeah, she's our British beauty. Yeah. She would not be on the podcast with us, probably because she's tired of talking to us, which is fair. Yeah, because we're annoying we're as fuck. very annoying. We're really annoying. But as Thank always, we're using her technology because we are... She's always, help, she's always helping us to do everything. We're basically inequipped and inefficient at everything, and she's always bailing us out. This actually just started as a Susie fan club, and it really got out of hand. It really did, yeah. Um, real quick, too, I just want to give a little shout-out. We're not being paid to say this. I want to give a couple little shout-outs to some people that have supported us, too. Rad Girl Creations is one of my favorite small businesses. Love you. Yeah, we love her. Um, she is a one-woman operation. She does everything. Listen, if you have ever even had like a little eBay, store or an Etsy shop or something, you know how hard it can be, right? Like the marketing and like putting out new product, updating the website, shipping, packaging, etc. It's extremely difficult. Plus she has a baby. Plus she works in healthcare. She's a radiology tech. Um, so she is amazing. We love her, Aubrey. Um, and then also Rad Girl Creations. You already said Rad Girl Creations. Riot Healers. Riot Healers. The R, the R names are killing us. The R team. Yeah. Riot Healers. Jackie Darling. She is uh, the creator. Again, healthcare worker. One mm. woman show. In school. In school. Crushing it. Crushing it. Beautiful. Works bedside nurse. Beautiful. Just really pretty in general. We just love her inside and out. Um, so yeah, check them out. I know Christmas, Hanukkah. Hanukkah's already happening. Currently, it's currently Hanukkah as we're recording. Yeah. New Year's is coming up. Buy some presents from these yeah. people instead of Amazon. We want to support for small business. I think both of both Rad Girl and Riot Healers were like right when we started Impact, we're like, oh my God, our dream collabs would yeah. be Riot Healers and Rad Girl. And then they just did it yeah. really quickly and, and efficiently. We're like, and we're like, holy shit, we love you even more than we thought possible. Why do you like us? Like yeah. I'm like, I'm like sitting here like, yeah. why are you here? I'm though? a big dumb dummy. Yeah. And they're like perfect. They're and we're like, perfect. and we're like, thank you for for noticing for noticing us yeah for like believing in our thing yeah and like they helped us a lot to do some of the preliminary 
preliminary fundraising uh, for Impact. So that yeah. was pretty cool. And now we're having a stroke and can't use our words. That's true. That's fine. It's fine. We're good. I have an aura. <laughs> Don't worry about I'm it. having a, a migraine. No, complex, it's okay. Complex no. migraine. I'm actually not. Okay. Uh, anyway, we love you guys and uh, send us some stuff if you want. We're going we're gonna to keep this going. We're going to be consistent now. Also, if you have feedback or find our voices very annoying, uh, don't comment on it. Use it as feedback, but be, be nice because we are we are sad girls and we will cry. We're, no. Oh, will you add it to the list, actually? I'm sorry. But yeah. uh, professionalism, we need to Ooh, talk about that. Okay, yeah. And that goes into the whole like vocal thing. Vocal fry. Yeah, vocal fry. We're going to do the entire professionalism episode in vocal fry, like aggressive vocal fry. Oh, my God. I really want to talk about professionalism Did you today? guys see the new policy it was like i can't with this policy (laughs) these white men are driving professionalism yeah anyway so we'll do that next time or maybe not next time soon so we'll do it soon Soon. yeah i mean basically pre like a little preview is basically we're all just bending around to mimic white old men and that's like what we have modeled professionalism which is actually fine with me because i really like wearing suits okay like men's suits or 80 year old women's suits from 1985 can i get some new balances yeah all right yeah. Fine. And some jeans, some dad, dad sh- jeans. Dad shoes. I actually wouldn't mind that outfit. Abby's going to show up to work with a leaf blower next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>